Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Bolt with your host, Dr. Jeff Tilley. Today's topic, Responsible Stewardship, Part 3 and Final. Okay, so uh, I said I was going to try and not have it be quite as long of an interval between podcasts, and it technically isn't, but it's still too long. Uh, So uh, I hope you've been patiently waiting. Otherwise, uh, we're going to pick up pretty much where we left off. So... Uh, last time we were talking about, a lot about transportation. There still are some transportation things that uh, really need to be brought about. And I'm just going to remind you of a couple of those. First of all, buy locally if you can. And buy using the most uh, water resource uh, efficient production method. Uh, I basically will tell you probably Amazon.com is not your friend if you want to be a responsible steward because they market and sell from their distribution centers many products that come all over the world. And even though they ship them in bulk, you're still paying an awful lot uh, in terms of uh, carbon usage and fuel usage to get those products to you. If something is made close to you, might cost a little more, might take some effort for you to go get it, Uh, but it's still probably going to be less carbon intensive. Uh, Depends how far you have to go. If you have to drive 20 miles, then that may become more of an equal matter. Uh, So today I'm going to move into business and politics. Uh, Telecommuting should be something that should be encouraged more and more and more. And I would actually like to see the political candidates who are so big on climate change, put their money where their mouth is, and have uh, telecommuting uh, rallies. This includes the president. This includes all the 2020 political candidates. This includes anyone running for office. All your flying back and forth from Washington, all your traveling around the country on a bus, even though that's better than flying back and forth from Washington all the time, is not helping climate change. And it's a carbon-intensive way to run for office. Zoom, uh, GoToMeeting, any number of webinar uh, offerings are out there and are preferable uh, in a lot of ways. If you want to show that you're concerned about the climate and you're a political candidate, then arrange for a big jumbotron or some other big screen and run your rally that way. The people locally can still come to you. But at least you're not adding to the problem. Uh, And there's so much political travel, so much back and forth by everybody. It doesn't matter which party's in power. It doesn't matter which branch of government you're talking about, except maybe the judicial branch. Uh, You're spending an awful lot of time burning carbon with your travel. And as far as I'm concerned, if you are making a big deal about how everybody else should change their lifestyles to deal with climate change, start with yourself. And if you don't, shame on you. Okay, continuing on moving into the political realm. Uh, You can protest U.S. energy policy and all sorts of things related to climate change. You may want the Green New Deal. You may think it's the best thing since sliced bread, even though I would disagree with you. That's fine. But if you're not going to put pressure on the politicians to deal with the real uh, cause of the majority of the problem right now, then 
I say you should also probably stop talking. As I've mentioned in a previous podcast, it was several months ago, the biggest polluters, the biggest people putting in greenhouse gases are uh, the Chinese and the Indians and even uh, some countries in Southeast Asia are big polluters. And yes, oh, they signed on to the, the Paris uh, Climate Accord, so they're doing the right thing. No, they're not. They, you know, what they signed and whether they put their money where their mouth is are completely different things. Yes, China is doing some uh, cosmetic uh, efforts to try and reduce their emissions, but their population is four times plus that of the U.S. The Indians are just about as bad. Uh, the amount of emissions is going to continue to go up from China and India unless they completely undo their economy. They decide to completely undo their economy and go back to the way it was before the Industrial Revolution, before 1900, which they were both highly agrarian societies. Then fine, we might see some real progress. They're not going to do that. No developing country is going to do that. And to say, okay, well, we have our developed world uh, comforts. We shouldn't give them up uh, for the developing countries is one argument. But whether the developing countries can develop far more efficiently and far less uh, in terms of uh, producing greenhouse gas emissions, that's something that is, ha- that is possible technologically. You want to help the world, you should be helping uh, the U.S., global companies, European companies, whatever, invest in clean technology when they develop in the third world and not go back to the same old, same old. That's one, that's one issue. Second, uh, one reason that the current administration has pulled out of the Paraclimus Accords is a claim that they're not fair. And to be honest, they aren't fair. And uh, you really need to have the Chinese and the Indians and uh, some other countries in Southeast Asia step up and force them to implement some real change. Now, is that going to happen? Not without an enormous, enormous amount of political pressure worldwide. So you can go ahead and be all Greta Thunbergy and say it's all the U.S. and Europe's fault. It's not. That's a naive point of view, and it's actually kind of a stupid point of view because the statistics and the facts don't back it up. What the statistics and the facts do back up is that the U.S. and Europe's emissions are holding steady, if not slightly decreasing from what they were 10 years ago. The Chinese and the Indian emissions are still skyrocketing ahead, and since they dwarf the U.S. and European emissions put together, uh, then uh, it's really on them at this point. If We're not going to see any significant amount of change in the global emissions picture unless the Chinese and the Indians curb their emissions dramatically. And yes, you can make the argument and have it be made, oh, but we're the worst on a per capita basis. That is true. But we are not four times uh, per capita what the Chinese and the Indian populations are. We are maybe like 1.2, which means that 
it doesn't matter about the per capita. It matters about the total amount of carbon uh, dioxide, methane, other greenhouse gases that are in the air. And who's producing those? The Chinese and the Indians. And unless there are significant steps taken to stop their curve of continuing emissions rises. And why are their emissions rising, even if they're supposedly putting in uh, basically some uh, emission control uh, policies that are largely superficial? It's because they're largely superficial and because their populations are still increasing at a larger rate than the U.S. and Europe populations. Europe's population is decreasing. On a per capita basis, their emissions are going to also continue to go up. The U.S. population is increasing on a per capita basis. Our emissions have actually been slightly dropping. So if you're going to be a political warrior for climate change, focus on uh, trying to get change in the real uh, areas where it matters, and that's overseas. And you say, how can you do that? Because we live here, we don't have very much political power. That's true. But our political leaders do have the power. And they're getting virtually no pressure to put on China. In fact, half of them are afraid of China. All we have to do is go back to the uh, whole Nike uh, NBA incident of about a month or so ago to see just how much certain American interests will kowtow to China. And if we kowtow to China on... uh, greenhouse gas emissions, then nothing is going to change. It doesn't matter what, that much what we do here. It doesn't matter that much what we do uh, in Europe. And you can say, well, we need to be leaders. We need to lead by example. And normally I would say that's true. And there are some things we can do, and I've outlined some of those. Uh, but do we need to spend trillions of money that we don't have on policies that will really maybe put only a tiny little dent in, climate, in the climate scenario and not really change significantly any outcomes. I, I say that that doesn't make any sense. And you're welcome to disagree with me. That's okay. But uh, from the science, from what this data and the statistics say, uh, we really need to be focusing our efforts elsewhere. And we can't rely on pledges that these countries have made that they're going to reduce their emissions because guess what? They haven't done so. Their emissions are still going up. They're going to keep going up for probably at least a decade or two. Which means, given that their combined emissions dwarf ours by about a factor of six to seven, then I would say there's not... The impact that we can have is relatively small for a a draconian effort. So small efforts make a big difference. Political pressure for the bigger polluters overseas can make a bigger difference. That's all I have for today. That is all I'm going to say about responsible stewardship for at least for the time being. Uh, Maybe I'll come back to this topic on a future podcast, but we're going to move on on to other subjects starting with the next podcast. Hoping you've enjoyed this uh, series. It's given you something to think about. Hopefully something to not raise your blood pressure too much. Uh, But you're welcome to send me comments. And as long as they're respectful comments, I'll respond. If you're going to just name call me and uh, 
basically uh, judge my opinion, even though it's based on facts and data, uh, then I'll probably delete you uh, or and not respond to your comment. Uh, for the Daily Bolt, this is Dr. Jeff Tilley. Have a good Veterans Day weekend 2019, and I'll see you at the next podcast.